This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. September the 13th, 2023. A little bit of a nip in the air down here this morning. Uh, Foggy out, but no rain. Sun's coming out. Another beautiful day here in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Uh, the rain finally stopped up in New England. They were able to get that doubleheader in for the Red Sox yesterday. We'll get to that in a minute. Not that it uh, really means a whole heck of a lot. It doesn't even, you know what? It, it was weird. It doesn't even mean anything to me, and I'm a big a Yankee hater as you can be, a big a Red Sox fan as you can be, and I don't even, you know, I, I had a hard time getting excited about it. Uh, we'll get to all that in a minute. Uh, before we get to sports, um, the, the, uh, the, the politics stuff in Washington continues. The uh, the Republicans have now said that they're going to start an impeachment inquiry. Well, it doesn't mean imp- impeachment proceedings. Let's get that straight. It's basically a committee that's going to get together and decide whether there's a uh, reason to try to impeach Joe Biden. And this is simply a case of uh, Kevin McCarthy is being called out by those uh, the, the people that basically uh, held him hostage so that he could become Speaker of the House, and he had to agree to some things. You know, the people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was an absolute whack job from just down the road here in Georgia, and uh, Matt Getz, who is another beauty uh, from Florida, and uh, they basically have said, we're going to remove you as Speaker if you don't do what we tell you to do. And one of the things that they wanted done was uh, to try to impeach Joe Biden. And they have absolutely nothing on Joe Biden. What, 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 is, what are they trying to, to get him on? By the way, they've been investigating all this stuff for months, and they have nothing on him. Um, basically, what they're doing is this, it all comes down to Hunter Biden, right? And this is like um, the police coming to try to arrest me because one of my kids did something, right? Like, like I'm responsible for my child stealing money. Or something, you know, I mean, not one of my kids ever would, but you know what I mean. You know, they're going after him because when he was uh, running for president and he was asked in one of the uh, uh, press conferences or one of the debates, I can't remember which, about whether Hunter Biden, you know, uh, made money abroad and and used uh, his father's name and and influence to, to get money from other places like China uh, Ukraine, et cetera. And Joe Biden said, you know, as far as China goes, he says, as far as, you know, he says, my son hasn't made money in China. Well, comes out, you know, come to find out he's made hundreds of thousands of dollars in China. But, and at the end of the day though, I don't know what my children do with their money. I don't know how they get their money. I mean, I know they have a job, but you don't know what they do. And this is a simple case of, you know, Joe Biden isn't talking to Hunter Biden about what he does. 
Now, maybe I'm naive. Maybe he did know. But at the end of the day, whether he knew or not, um, unless they can prove that Joe Biden used his office to influence policy decisions to help out Hunter Biden's business dealings overseas, then they've got nothing. And that that's really what they're hanging their hat on. They think that they and they've been trying to find this for months, by the way, that Joe Biden actually used uh, that uh, st- helped structure policy uh, through the years because of uh, to help out his son. And they have no evidence of that. None. There's even Republicans in the House that are like, yeah, no, this isn't a good idea. But Kevin McCarthy has no choice if he wants to stay a Speaker of the House. That's really what this is all about. And it's also, this is about, hey, you impeached our guy twice, so we're going to come get yours. You know, it, I, I expect this, the way our politics is going, I expect this to happen with the next president and the next president and the next president. It's going to be like, you know, uh, you did it to me, I'm going to do it to you, and it's just going to continue until we grow up and start, start acting like adults and not junior high school students. You know what I mean? That's really, uh, that's really what this is about. So it, you know, this could take you know, and by by the way, this could take a year. And then if they even do decide to come out of committee, and uh, and try to impeach him, that could take a long time. And be the he could be out of office before this happens. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. It's ridiculous. Uh, The other major news that broke yesterday um, or the day before yesterday is out of Michigan State and involves their football coach, Mel Tucker, who has a huge contract. He's in the third year of a $95 million 10-year contract, and he has been accused... um, by someone of sexually harassing her uh, in a phone call and and uh, supposedly he was doing things to himself while they were talking and you know talking about how you know talking about what happened to her excited him and uh, um and supposedly uh she filed a a complaint with Michigan State 10 months ago and they just now, it has come to light, be, and just now they've suspended them. And that's just because people you know, basically said, uh, the, the woman involved came out and said, What's, you know, why aren't you doing anything? And Mel Tucker, is, by the way, he's 51 years old, married two kids. He says that you know, the stuff against him is completely false. And he said it was an intimate phone call. He, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't argue that, but he said that it was consensual. And not only that, it was outside the scope of school policy and Title IX because the complaint she filed was with Title IX, uh, the Title IX office at Michigan State. And Title IX, by the way, is what um, was uh, – legislation that was structured uh, to protect women in athletics and college athletics. So, and what this boils down to is if this complaint was filed 10 months ago, why did it just happen now? And the problem is Michigan State is the place where Larry Nasser was, where all the abuse of U.S. gymnasts happened. 
the, he was the guy that was a, a sports doctor with Michigan State, and he is a guy that uh, sexually assaulted scores of young girls. And it caused you know people to get fired and resignations because this was going on for years, and there was no way that the upper management of the university didn't know about it. They basically turned a blind eye to it. And it costs people their jobs. Well, now the same thing is happening here. If this took place, if this complaint was filed 10 months ago, how did the president of Michigan State not know about this? And how did it, why did it take 10 months for this to come out? Um, so this, uh, you know, it's, it's a mess. And uh, Michigan State has been a cesspool of stuff like this. And you, if they didn't, you know, you would think after Larry Nasser they would have learned their lesson and they would have been on this from the get-go and Mel Tucker would have been, dis- he either would have been fired or the investigation that's going on now would have happened 10 months ago. It shouldn't have taken this long. And by the way, if they fire him for cause, if they find out that this is true and they decide that it is for cause and it's, you know, the problem is, is the, I think the, the, issue here is is it within the scope of title nine you know the the woman involved was not an athlete at the university right um and uh school policy i don't i don't believe school policy tells you who you can and can't talk to and what those conversations can be outside of uh, in your private life and i'm not believe me i am not trying to defend mel tucker here you know, and if and if what they say he did, he actually did. It's gross. The question is: is is it against university policy, and should he be fired for it? You know, because uh, you know, that's the question, and that's what the lawyers have to figure out. But if they do decide that he he did break school policy, they can fire him for cause, which means they don't have to pay him the rest of his contract. So. Um, Again, you know, it's one of those he said, she said, and although at the end of the day he doesn't disagree with the fact that the phone call took place, he's just saying, yeah, okay, it happened, but it was between the two of us. This was consensual. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I I didn't rape her. I didn't, you know, this was something she willingly told me these things, and, you know, uh, so, you, you know, what's what's the problem? Because you're telling me that I can't have a phone call, uh, you know, regardless of what the content is. I mean, that's the problem here. That's the problem. Is it against school policy? Should it be against school policy? How much should universities be able to dictate the private lives of their coaches and administrators? And you can make the case when I'm paying you $95 million over 10 years, uh, I can be a little bit more... Uh, invasive in your life if that need be. But if it's not spelled out in the contract, they may not have a leg to stand on. It doesn't make what he did any less gross, any less wrong. The question is, is is it legally wrong and is it a violation and does it cost him his job? But at the end of the day, this is a bad, bad look for Michigan State and something that they certainly – do not need after the whole Larry Nasser thing. It's just another uh, black eye to that school. That's rough. 
Uh, so, anyway, all right, enough of the legal stuff. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, done. Uh, it is uh, – the question now is what do the Jets do? Uh, Robert Salah, the head coach, came out yesterday and said, Zach Wilson is our starter, period. You know, anybody that thinks that, uh, you know, we're going to sign or trade for another quarterback and he's going to take over Zach Wilson's job is wrong. You know, they are going to look to get another backup quarterback. But for now, uh, Tim Boyle, who is on their practice squad, will be elevated to the 53-man roster. He will become the backup quarterback. Tim Boyle, by the way, kid from Connecticut, played at Middletown uh, in uh, Xavier High School in Middletown, Connecticut. I called a bunch of his high school games. Um he was a backup to Aaron Rodgers in uh, Green Bay. So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, though, they're going to go out and find somebody, whether it's signing Carson Wentz or Nick Foles or whoever. Uh, they're going to get a veteran backup quarterback that's got that has taken a lot of snaps in NFL games just in case Wilson gets hurt. They, you know, Tim Boyle's fine as a backup in an emergency, but you don't want him. If Zach Wilson gets hurt, you cannot afford for Tim Boyle to be your quarterback if you have any hopes of making. And this is nothing against Tim. I love the kid. He was a great, great player in high school and college. Um, but it's probably going to be somebody like a, a Carson Wentz or a Nick Foles, I would imagine. You know, people were theorizing, oh, let's go get Tom Brady. Oh, come on. Come on, you know, uh, let's get Drew Brees. If, if Look, if Drew Brees was going to come out of retirement, it would have been to go back to the New Orleans Saints. It would not have been to go to the New York Jets, right? I mean, come on. Phillip Rivers, you know, if he was going to come out of retirement, it would not be to go to the New York Jets. You know, and if Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers hasn't taken an NFL snap in a couple of years. They're not coming in there, and even if they did, they are not the answer. Zach Wilson isn't the answer either, by the way. If Zach Wilson was the answer, they wouldn't have Aaron Rodgers to begin with. So, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, that defense is going to be what gets the Jets in the playoffs or not in the playoffs. They're going to have to continue to play the way they are. Uh, The only other question now is, does Aaron Rodgers come back to play again? Right? He's 39 years old. Recovery from a torn Achilles tendon is several months, and there is a lot of rehab. I mean, that is the main way. That's how you walk, folks. You know, that Achilles tendon at the back of your heel that goes up into your calf, you rip that thing, you're not walking. Let alone running or cutting or anything like that. There is a lot of rehab that goes into that. It is not, I mean, I've had, I never tore my Achilles, thank God. But I had a, I had uh tendonitis in my Achilles that was so painful that it was hard to walk. I can't imagine what it's like if you tore it. Uh, so is he willing to undergo that rehab and then still come back and play for the Jets next season? Now, he has repeatedly said that he wasn't coming there just for one year, that he wasn't going to be one and done, and they did restructure his contract He's got $75 million in fully guaranteed money for this season and next. So unless he's going to walk away with from that, which I highly doubt, I think Aaron Rodgers will be back. I mean, the question will be at 39 years of age, and even though you rehab it, what's that going to look like 
Um, but uh, but he's out, and uh, the Jets are basically holding their breath. The one good news for the Jets about this, they will not lose their first-round draft pick now. They had a, a conditional first-round pick that was going to go to Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers played 65% of the Jets' plays this season. So now it will be a second-round pick. Not a first-round pick. So the Jets will still have their first-round pick next year. So I guess if there's a silver lining, I guess that's it. I guess. Uh, so that's where we're at as far as Aaron Rodgers go. And, and, and you know, the Jets aren't going to make the playoffs with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. I don't care. You know, I know their defense is, is good. But I, I just I don't see it. I just don't see it. Okay. Now, to get to baseball from yesterday, and I talked about the Red Sox doubleheader last night, and if there was a less compelling doubleheader that I have ever witnessed in my life, this would have been it. Uh, Look, and both teams now are tied for last place in the AL East. The Yankees sweep the doubleheader 3-2-4-1, fairly well-pitched games. Um, Red Sox were absolutely pathetic hitting the baseball yesterday. They were 0 for 19 with 10 strikeouts with runners in scoring position over those two games. I repeat, 0 for 19, 10 strikeouts with runners in scoring position yesterday. Um, But the attendance in the first game, by the way, they said was 30,000 people. And the Red Sox refused to say how many were really there because there weren't 30,000 people there. There maybe were half that. Because the attendance is based on tickets sold, not butts in the seats. But that, <laughs> that place was a ghost town. It was better attended at night, but there were still a lot of empty seats. You just don't usually see that in Red Sox-Yankees. First time the Yankees, by the way, had swept a doubleheader at Fenway Park since 2006. Not the, Again, it doesn't really mean anything. But the Red Sox had owned the Yankees this year. They're 8-1 and one against the Yankees. And uh, just it was just gross. I mean, the only th- what what do you have to ha- if you're the Red Sox? What do you ha- hang your hat on from yesterday? Uh, I guess you know the, Tristan Casas continued to hit the ball well, three for four in the first game. So that was nice to see. Um, Abreu hit the ball well. Uh, the young kid yesterday. You got to be happy about that. Uh, Sedan Rafaela hit his first major league home run, and it was an absolute bomb in the second game. So, you know, the young kids performed. So there's, I guess there's something you can hang your hat on. Uh, you know, Cutter Crawford didn't stink in game two. Okay, we'll, we'll hang our hats on that. Uh, Nick Pavetta in game one for the Red Sox. I don't know what the answer to Nick is, but Jesus, in the first four innings, he struck out ten guys. And then it all came apart in the sixth. And uh, ends up giving up... Uh, Three runs on four hits, and the Red Sox bats just couldn't do anything after they scored two runs in the fourth inning. They were silent the rest of the way. They had a chance. They had the they had the bases loaded with one out in the ninth inning. Alex Verdugo coming up, and I turned to my wife, Barb, who had come home from work, and I said, the only thing he can't do here is ground into a double play. Just put the ball in play. Get it in the outfield. Let's, you know, you get a chance to get the tying run home. We'll take it to extra innings and take our chances. What happens? First damn pitch, Alex Verdugo, second base, right to the second baseman, 4-6-3, game over. That's the way yesterday went. 
Um, game three of the series is today. Uh, Tanner Houck, who's been awful. He's been great against the Yankees in his career. Six starts, five relief appearances against the Yankees in his career, and he's got a 2-3-9 ERA. But this year as a starter, 4-9-5-2-8 ERA, and looks lost. So he will get the start for Boston. Clark Schmidt will start for the Yankees. Uh, i I got to be honest. I probably am not watching this. I just – the Red Sox are out of it. You know, like I said, the only thing they have left to play for is staying ahead of the Yankees. And ugh, I'm not even sure I, I – I, uh, I anyway. Uh, um, Orioles lost yesterday. Adam Wainwright finally gets his 199th career victory. Uh, he had uh, – a seven-start losing streak. He had gone gone eleven in a row without a victory. Forty-two years old, retiring at the end of the season, picks up his fourth win of the season. One hundred ninety-nine in his career. He's got. He'll have a couple more chances to get, probably three more chances to get to uh, that two hundred number uh, before the season is over. Um, but the Orioles lose five-two to the St. Louis Cardinals, who are in last place in the NL Central. Um, the good news for Baltimore. John Means started yesterday. John Means, who had Tommy John surgery last year, he went five innings. Now, he gave up three runs, but they were, you know, it was he gave up two home runs. Five hits, three runs over five innings for a guy that hasn't pitched uh, basically in a year and a half. You'll take that. And it means that he could be a factor for the Orioles in the playoffs. He threw 75 pitches, 55 for strikes. So maybe this is a guy that, depending on how the playoffs, how deep they go into the playoffs, maybe he gets a start. Or maybe he becomes an, a bulk innings guy um, out of the bullpen if a starter gets in trouble. But he threw the ball well yesterday. Two mistakes, really, was all it was. Uh, but Baltimore just couldn't do anything. They had they had opportunities, but went one for twelve with runners in scoring position. Kyle Gibson is going to go for his fifteenth win today for the Orioles, and uh, he'll go against a, a guy by the name of Drew Rahm uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, that game will uh, take place tonight. Uh, the Rays could not gain any ground though with the Oriole loss. The Rays lose to the Minnesota Twins yesterday, three to two. Uh, Willie Castro. A two-run home run in the seventh inning, the difference in this one. Um, so Tampa uh, didn't do a lot with the bats yesterday. Um, uh, Zach Littell got the start, seven innings. He pitched well, three runs, five hits. Um, but uh, they could not not—they uh, could not do anything against that Minnesota bullpen. Joe Ryan got the start, was okay, got hit on the hand, had to leave the game, and then the bullpen, Varlin, Thielbar, and Duran come on and uh, throw four and a third innings of one-hit ball. Duran picks up his 26th save of the season. So Minnesota, uh, in look, they're, they're seven and a half games up in the Central, so they're going to win that, that uh, division. Tampa now remains three games behind Baltimore, in the American League East, they are still the number one wild card. They pretty much have that sewn up, but you know they would love to win uh, that division title. But uh, Baltimore uh, has done enough to stay ahead of them. Taj Bradley's going to pitch for Tampa today. Dallas Keuchel, who has come off the scrap heap uh, to be part of that Minnesota rotation, a guy who looked like he was out of baseball, who has been terrible the last couple of years. He is 1-1 one one 
with a 4.78 ERA for Minnesota. So he will get the start for the Twins in that one today. It is 30 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, just a programming note, we will have no show tomorrow. Uh, we will be here on Friday. Dan Zampano is going to join us on Friday for his regular regular NFL segment, but we will not be here uh, tomorrow. Barb has a day off, so we're going to do a few things around the, uh, uh, the, the back 40 here. So uh, no show tomorrow. Uh, let's see. The uh, Rangers and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays had a chance uh, with... Tampa losing uh, to maybe gain some ground to have a shot at that second wild card, even though it's uh, probably a long shot at this point. But the Rangers, uh, who needed the win desperately, uh, beat the Blue Jays yesterday 6-3. They also guarantee that they will win uh, the season series against Toronto. Uh, Texas now one game behind Houston in the AL West. Seattle now a game and a half behind Houston in the AL West. So that is going, that looks like it's heading right down to the wire. Uh, the most important part for Texas is they now stay in wild card position, although it is virtually uh, a dead heat. They are 80 and 64 in the two wild, number two wild card spot. Seattle is 80 and 65, and so is Toronto. So uh, those four teams vying for those three spots, and uh, uh, with the exception of Tampa, who is, you know, several games clear. Uh, those other ones, it's a, it's a virtual dead heat. So that's going to be fun. Uh, but Corey Seager, three hits last night, a two-run bomb by Robbie Grossman, uh, and the Rangers come back to win this one. If you're Texas, however, you're probably holding your breath today. Max Scherzer left the game in the sixth inning after pitching three shutout innings. He uh, only gave up three hits, struck out two, walked one, threw 73 pitches, and had to leave because of a sore tricep. He had a cramp in his tricep. He said it felt like a Charlie horse. Uh, he said he began to you know, feel it when he was warming up in the sixth, and uh, then he threw a curveball, and it, he felt it grab. And uh, that was the end of that. So they had to pull him out. He is having an MRI today. Uh, he has pitched very well since coming to Texas. He's 4-2 and two with the Rangers with a 3-2-0 ERA. Overall, he has 13 wins on the season between Texas and the Mets. Uh, and with Jacob DeGrom down, they need this guy like nobody's business. If, if he is out for any length of time, uh, that could be an issue for this Ranger team as they try to stay not just in the AL West race but in the wild card race as well. But they get the win yesterday, uh, six to three. Uh, by the way, news just broke. Uh, they caught the guy. Uh, there's been a lot of news about the uh, uh, Danilo Cavalcante, the uh, the guy who escaped from jail in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they just caught him. Uh, this just broke. He had been on the loose for, what, the better part of a week and a half. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a press conference coming up uh, any minute now. But uh, they finally got to him. He had actually broken into some houses. Uh, he got f fired at uh, last night when he was uh, stealing stuff from somebody's garage. Um, there's no word on his uh, condition, but 
they didn't kill him. They they showed him uh, being handcuffed uh, uh, and led away. So uh, Cavalcante is caught. So any of you that live in the uh, the Philadelphia area can breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, he has finally uh, been nabbed. Uh, and uh, just to finish up thoughts on this uh, Ranger Blue Jays thing, as I just saw that thing come across the wire. Um, they'll play again today. Yusei Kikuchi is going to pitch for Toronto, going for his 10th win. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, uh, not a great record, 8-11, but a, a pretty respectable 3.62 ERA uh, will take the mound uh, for the uh, uh, the Rangers. Uh, one other note, Toronto put Brendan Belt on the injured list yesterday um, with some back spasms. He has uh, had a pretty good season for Toronto, but uh, he has been battling some injuries off and on, and uh, so they they will be without him, the, their first baseman, for uh, uh, the foreseeable future, but he's on the, the back uh, with the back for at least 10 days on the IL. Um, and the reason why the AL West is so tight is because somehow the Oakland Athletics have beaten the Houston Astros two straight games. The A's win again last night. They beat Houston six to two. So for two, the second straight day, uh, the Athletics avoid losing their hundredth game of the season. But that's, I mean, look, they're one of the worst teams in baseball, and it's 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 one of the reasons why you love baseball because on any given day, you just never know. Well, Justin Verlander went out yesterday, and you got to figure he's been pitching very very well for Houston, right? So you figure, you know, this is a foregone conclusion. Uh, well, Verlander gave up eight hits and five runs in seven innings, and uh, falls to five and three since joining the Astros. And uh, o- Oakland beats them. It's unbelievable. And uh, look, it's a couple of games. You don't want to panic. But if you are Houston, I think the thing that maybe you are the most worried about is that you're having trouble winning at home. I mean, Houston has won 82 games this year. They're 82 and 64, right? 18 games over 500. But they're playing 500 ball at home. They are 37 and 37 in Minute Maid Park. They are 18 games over 500 on the road, but at home they are not a very good team. And when you are going into the playoffs, one of the things you want the most is home field advantage. But if you're Houston, you're you're almost hoping you don't. It's very strange. Uh, Hunter Brown will pitch for the Astros today, going for his 11th win. Uh, Paul Blackburn uh, will pitch the game for the Athletics as Houston tries to salvage uh, one out of that uh, three-game series. Uh, The Mariners... Stay in it. They uh, shut out the Angels yesterday, eight to nothing. Uh, this young kid, Brian Wu, has been pretty good. Five and two thirds shutout innings yesterday. Struck out eight, only gave up four hits. Picks up his third win of the year. Uh, Patrick Sandoval got bombed. Ten hits and eight runs in five innings for the Angels. The Angels were without Shohei Otani for the ninth straight game. So. Uh, Seattle keeps their playoff hopes alive. They are currently, as I said, tied with Texas and Toronto. They are currently a game and a half back of Houston. So everything is on the table for the Mariners as they go down the stretch. By the way, did you hear this? Um, I saw a story yesterday, and Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, has said that if Mike Trout asked to be traded – 
that they will consider doing that. Can you think? I I thought about that. I was like, well, I mean, that you know, you're not going anywhere. You could probably get a a boatload for him. You know, you had your, your the places he would go to would be limited because of the amount of money his contract uh, calls for. But can you imagine that? I was thinking, if he asked to be traded, and Shohei Otani leaves as a free agent at the end of this year, which is what everybody expects to happen. Can you imagine, Angel fans, where you went from having two of the best players in baseball to having neither one of them at the end of this season? Now, I don't know that Mike Trout will ask for an out, but I can't even I cannot even fathom being an Angel fan and reading that in the paper yesterday or online. Nobody reads the paper anymore, but you know what I mean? That is incomprehensible to me. But the way Artie Moreno runs that team, nothing would surprise me. Um, And I'll say this. Mike Trout is probably where he needs to be. Why? He's not a guy that likes to be uh, out in front of things, you know, he, he, look, he's a great player. He does a lot of uh, great work in the community, but he is not a New York, Boston, Los Angeles, Dodgers kind of guy. You know, it's almost like I think his personality makes him more suited for being at a place where he can fly under the radar if one of the best players in baseball can be said to do that. But you know what I mean? He just doesn't seem like the type that would want to be like doing a lot of commercials and being on billboards and, and, and that kind of thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but it has always kind of struck me. And he's had some conversations with Major League Baseball. I mean, MLB uh, would love him to be more... I don't know that flamboyant is the right word, but be more out there, you know, and promote himself more. And that's not who Mike Trout is. So you just wonder uh, if if he – I don't know that he would ever ask for a trade because he. I guess it's going to depend at some point as he gets closer to the end of his career if winning a championship matters to him. You would think it does. You would think most people that play don't play just to play. They play to win championships. Well, somebody like me would play just to play. But if you are at the level of Mike Trout, does it? Does winning a championship matter? Frankly, for him, does getting in the playoffs matter? Right? What's he been in the playoffs uh, once in his career? But I know if you are a, an Angel fan, you are praying to everything that is holy that he does not ever ask for that trade. Um, that series between the Angels and the Mariners will wrap up today. The Angels are going to throw a bullpen game out there, which I'm sure if you're Seattle, you're going, thank you very much. Uh, and the Angels will throw out Luis Castillo. He is fifth in the majors in ERA, 3.08. That's good for third in the American League. Uh, his last time out, he threw six shutout innings uh, against Tampa Bay. However, the last time he faced the Angels, it didn't go well. Gave up seven runs and ten hits. But the question is, is will they have Mike Trout or Shohei Otani in the lineup? And uh, if not, I, I don't I don't know that they, <laughs> they can put up that kind of uh, production against Luis Castillo. But uh, that series will wrap up 
today. 44 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are one game away from officially clinching the NL East. Not that that was ever really uh, in doubt. Uh, they have a 16-game a lead with 17 games to play uh, over the Phillies, and they can make it official today if they uh, knock off the Phillies. They beat Philadelphia last night 7-6 uh, to six in 10 innings. Um, Eddie Rosario, an RBI single in the 10th inning off of Craig Kimbrell, scored the, uh, the Manfred man, the automatic runner on second base. Um, but the story of this game uh, is uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson hit another home run, his 51st of the season. That ties Andrew Jones's uh, club record that he set back in 2005. Uh, and he has been on a tear uh, lately. He has uh, got 128 runs batted in. Uh, he's just – you can't get him out right now and it's funny you know people are talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. for MVP uh, because of what he's done all the stolen bases I still think you got to throw Matt Olson's name in there and I think he's going to get some consideration the only thing that's going to hurt him probably is his batting average he's only hitting 280 281 only 281 Uh, but two more hits yesterday uh, including that 51st home run and uh I think it's, uh, it goes without saying that he is going to uh, to set that. And look, what this Braves team is doing is historic. They've hit 281 home runs this season. That's the most in a season for any team in National League history. And we still have 17 games to play. 281 home runs. Uh Acuna hit his 37th yesterday. Marcelo Ozuna hit his 34th yesterday. Balls were flying out of Philadelphia like crazy yesterday. I mean, uh, the Phillies uh, hit hit a few of their own, four of their own, actually. Bryce Harper, another one. Trey Turner hit another home run. Trey Turner uh, has hit 11 home runs in his last 13 games. So... Uh, anyway, they are going to – oh, by the way, and Bryce Harper got his 1,500th career hit yesterday. Uh, he is the 18th player in MLB history with 1,500 career hits and 300 home runs before his 31st birthday. By the way, did you think that he was older than that? Because I sure did. <laughs> it's Well, because, he, you know, he started so – he came up so young. I've, I don't know. I guess I thought he was in his mid-30s. He's only 30 years old. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was a milestone for him. Spencer Strider is going to try to put the nail in the coffin of the Phillies, uh, this evening. It'll be, he is 16 and five, three, eight, three ERA. Uh, Christopher Sanchez will take the hill, uh, for the Phillies as they try to stay alive. But look, they, you know, don't feel bad for the Phillies. Uh, they are still the number one wild card right now, albeit just a game ahead of the Chicago Cubs. And a couple of games ahead of Arizona. They've got Cincinnati, San Francisco, Miami breathing down their necks. That uh, NL wild card race is a lot of fun. Um, 
But the Mets put a crimp in the Diamondbacks' chances yesterday uh, as the Mets get home runs from Ronnie Mauricio, his first major league home run. Pete Alonso hit his 44th of the season. The Mets beat the Diamondbacks uh, 7-4 to in that one. Uh, Mets just trying to find something to, to build on. Uh, Brendan Nimmo, three hits for the Mets in this one. Um, and uh, Budo picks up his uh, first win of the season, five innings, just two runs and uh, or two hits and one run. Uh, the Mets also announced that they have hired a new vice president of baseball operations. David Stearns is coming over uh, from Milwaukee. He stepped down uh, from Milwaukee at the end of last season. He's 38 years old. Uh, he's a New York native. Uh, and he is going to join the uh, front office of the Mets in October. And he's got some work to do. Uh, no question. I mean, now they've got to rebuild that rotation, right? Uh, you know, you had Verlander and Scherzer. You thought you were good for a couple of years. Now you've got to work on uh, on that. Uh, a lot of people think that they are going to target uh, uh, Yoshi Yamamoto, the kid, the 25-year-old from Japan, which, by the way, he's who has been linked to the Red Sox as well. Uh, if it's a matter of money, uh, that's uh, advantage advantage Cohen, even though the Red Sox ownership probably has just close to as much money. Uh, Cohen isn't afraid to spend it like the Red Sox seem to be. So he's got that ahead of him. He's got to make a decision what they're going to do about Buck Showalter. There has been some talk uh, that Showalter has not decided if he wants to manage in 2024, even if the Mets want to bring him back. So if that happens, then what? You know, what do you do? Uh, a lot of people have thought about maybe bringing Carlos Beltran back. You know, of course, uh, they were going to uh, hire him before, and uh, then they decided to part ways because of the whole Astro sign-stealing thing, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. And then they've got to make a decision on Pete Alonso. There's been talk that the Mets might consider trading Pete Alonso, which to me would be the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Mets fans would be pissed. Uh, but his contract is up at the end of next year. So if you're the Mets uh, and David Stearns, maybe the first order of business might be trying to get an extension done with uh, with Pete Alonso and keep him uh, in New York for the foreseeable future. Um the Giants lose yesterday to the Cleveland Guardians, the Guardians who are going nowhere. Uh, I mean, technically, the Guardians are still alive. They're, what, seven and a half back uh, with with 16 games to play for them. So, they, I mean, technically, they're still alive, uh, but they're going nowhere. But uh, Cal Quantrill uh, with a, a decent outing yesterday for Cleveland, six innings, five hits, one run. He's uh, dealt with some injuries this year. Uh, pitching back in the Bay Area, he went to Stanford University, uh, and he best Sean Manaya yesterday, um, and uh, they win that game by a final of 3-1. to one. So um, good for Quantrill. Uh, Paul Quantrill, his father, used to pitch for the Boston Red Sox, and uh, but he's missed 72 games uh, with two stints over on the uh, injured list this year. So uh, uh, good for him as he makes his way back. Uh, they will have the series finale today. Logan Allen is going to pitch for Cleveland. He's been pretty good this year, uh, 3.68 ERA. Kyle Harrison, the rookie, is going to make his fifth career start uh, for the San Francisco Giants. Um, the Cubs, again, with an opportunity to uh, keep themselves in the playoff race, perhaps keep their NL Central hopes alive, but they fall now 
uh, with Milwaukee winning yesterday. Chicago falls four games behind Milwaukee in that NL Central race as they lose to the Colorado Rockies 6-4. Chris Bryan, who is just off the injured list, uh, spent like a month and a half there with a fractured left index finger. Uh, a, three, a home run in the sixth inning, three runs batted in, uh, and uh, the Rockies win that one by a final of 6-4. to four. Jamison Tyon, who has had a miserable year for the Cubs, 7-9 uh, and nine with a 5-2-7 ERA, will take on uh, Ty Block uh, in that series finale today. And Hey, remember Josh Donaldson, Yankee fans? Josh Donaldson, who the Yankees released, uh, got picked up by the Milwaukee Brewers um, a few weeks ago, sent down and, and put in the minors. He got called up from AAA at Nashville on Monday. Well, last night he hits a home run as the Brewers beat the Miami Marlins 3-1. to one. Uh, It was his uh, first homer, obviously, with Milwaukee. Uh, his 11th of the season, and uh, hit it in the fourth inning off of Edward Cabrera, and uh, they end up winning that game by a final of 3-1. to one. And uh, today it'll be Braxton Garrett getting the start for the Marlins. Uh, Trevor McGill will uh, work as an opener for the Brewers, and then they'll, uh, they'll have a bullpen game uh, the rest of the way there. That is going to do it for us here. This morning, we will be back on Friday. No show tomorrow, but we'll be back on Friday as Dan Zampano will join us to talk about all things NFL. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about uh, what the Jets do with Aaron Rodgers and, and whether uh, whether they really do have a chance to make the playoffs, whether that defense can will them into the playoffs. I'm skeptical, but we'll talk to him about that uh, coming up on Friday. We leave you this morning with some music from Sawyer Brown. There's a documentary. Blake Shelton is actually going to be producing a documentary uh, for Sawyer Brown. This is their 40th anniversary. For those of you that of, of a certain age, remember the old show Star Search? Ed McMahon was the uh, the host of Star Search, the, the, uh, the second banana to Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. He hosted Star Search for years. Well, Sawyer Brown... Uh, was discovered there, won it, and turned that into a 40-year career. So Blake Shelton is doing a, a documentary on them as well as producing a 40th anniversary album. So this is one of their biggest hits. It's called Thank God for You. We'll see you on Friday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.